0: One of the questions that has haunted me for the last pretty much 30 years is how do you make disciples? How do you make apprentices of Jesus? What commands of Jesus? Remember, as we're going to learn today from Matthew 28 that we're to teach everything that Jesus commanded. What are the core competencies of being a disciple and following Jesus? What does it mean to truly follow Jesus? In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, we read what Jesus says. He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus is is explicitly telling people that if they want to be his apprentices, then they must deny themselves of their own selfish ambitions. Suffer daily for his sake and follow him. And that's, at times, going to look different for each one of us, isn't it? Each of us cannot rest on yesterday's faith and our obedience. We have to continue today to believe in Jesus. And this has to be a daily and an intentional act of love and faith and following Jesus. So today, Pastor Jason is going to unpack what that really looks like in a pathway of discipleship for us as individuals and as a church. So I'm going to call up Pastor Jason, and he's going to walk us through this. And um, this is something that we've been working on for some time. How do you remember the the story, our God's big story, discipleship pathway? Okay, so today we're going to have a a revamping of that, and, and I think we're going to be able to really be helped. Pastor Jason?
1: Thank you, Pastor John. And uh, I would, uh, good morning, everybody. I would invite you uh, to open your Bibles to Matthew 28 uh, with me this morning. We're going to be looking primarily at the last three verses of the book, verses 18 through 20. These are perhaps the most famous words in the whole book. Perhaps the go-to passage when the discussion turns to discipleship or mission. Of course, this is the so-called Great Commission, where Jesus commissions the 11 apostles that are left to go into the world and make disciples. So let me just ask you to stand as we read God's Word. And we'll actually start in verse 16. Matthew records this. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. So this is a, this is a fascinating passage on a few different levels. So Jesus had just been laid uh, in the tomb after his death on the cross, and the guard was placed there to make sure that the body wasn't stolen so that claims of resurrection uh, wouldn't propagate because people don't rise from the dead especially rebel rousers like this carpenter from Nazareth. And there were two Marys that were following Jesus at the time, Mary Magdalene and another Mary. So they go and they, they visit the tomb after the Sabbath and they find the guards lying around like dead men. Because an angel had come down and rolled the stone away from the covering or the entrance of the tomb and the angel then gives them a tour Uh, to show them that Jesus isn't there. And then the angel tells them to go quickly and tell Jesus' disciples that he's risen from the dead and that Jesus was heading to Galilee uh, to meet them there. So they did. They ran off. They told the disciples. and, And on their way, Jesus meets them and then tells them to go and tell his brothers to go to Galilee where they'll see him. And so they run off again. Meanwhile, the guard wakes up and, and they run off and they tell the chief priests what happened and they get all the Jewish brass together to figure out how to manage this problem because people don't rise from the dead, especially rebel rousers like this carpenter from Nazareth. So they bribe the soldiers to manage the flow of information. They say, tell the people his disciples came and stole him away while you were asleep. And that's exactly what they did. And the the Bible says that this is the story that had been spread among the Jews to the day that that passage was written. And you know what? Isn't that the story that's been propagated to this day around the world? Jesus never rose from the dead, He's, he's not who he claimed to be. He's probably not even a historical figure. And he certainly doesn't make demands of anybody. That really ought to be taken seriously. So the 11 disciples, they go to Galilee as Jesus directed them through Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to meet him on the mountain. And when they find him, some worship him, others doubt that it's actually really him. And then he gives them another charge go and look at verse 19. It says, Go therefore and what? Make disciples great. When the world is that. So disciple-making in the first century in Israel uh, was to our eyes probably an interesting, perhaps an odd uh, process. So a man would be identified as rabbi material. He would study and study and sit under another rabbi. And eventually he'd strike out on his own and people would identify him as a desirable teacher, one who rightly interprets the scriptures into a sort of best life practices set of principles. Because everybody just wants to live their best life. And based on this, people would then want to learn from him so they'd actually request to be able to follow him. The rabbi would observe those requests and either consent or not. So it's almost like an application process to be able to get into uh, a school, a certain school where you apply and you get all your references together and you present your best foot forward uh, and then you hope and you pray that you're accepted or that you get in. Or it's kind of like on social media. You find someone you really like You request to follow them. They say yay or nay. If they say yay, you say yay. And the process begins. And then just as with all of these social influencers on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, you know, I think someone ought to take the best of YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook and put them together based on what I see in terms of the people that are followed and and, Put YouTube, Twitter, and, and Facebook together. They ought to call it you TwitFace. That's not mine. I borrowed that from someone, but I have no idea who to give credit for. And so far, there's nothing that exists that way. So if someone wants a business idea... So, but just as with all these social influencers, a rabbi's disciples follow them in their teaching, adopting without question their rabbi's interpretation of Scripture... And emulating the rabbi in worldview and behavior and dress. So if we stop and we look at this, there's a lot of discipleship going on in the world, isn't there? This is not really a new concept. A disciple, a discipler, is a follower, a learner, or a student, an apprentice. The Jedi come to mind from Star Wars. Is just follow the master around and learn everything they can from him and become like him. A disciple is someone who models the thinking of their master, the speaking of their master, and the doing of their master. That's what a disciple is. So discipleship is following in order to become like. And what's absolutely crazy about Jesus and his discipleship is that is that Jesus doesn't wait for people to apply. Jesus actually went out and he called people to follow him. Jesus was a disciple who invited people to come. He wasn't looking for the most coveted students to apply so he could accept them and build his brand. He picked a diverse group who were largely fairly lowly, but not exclusively lowly. God uses all kinds of people. And then, like... Master, like students, here in this text, Jesus tells his followers to go and do like him, to go and call more followers like he did. This is not a waiting game. Discipleship is not a waiting game. Look at verse 19. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see all the goes in that whole chapter? And there's only, there's only a couple of those goes that actually really matter. The enemy is working. He's sending his people to go. And we ought to be going as well with the message of the truth. So Jesus gives us an outline of what it means to make those who are called into followers of him. The first thing is to baptize them. You see it there in verse 19. And then right at the beginning of verse 20, we see the second thing is to teach them to observe everything Jesus commanded. And this is the basis of our discipleship pathway, which I'm going to unpack in a couple of minutes here. But let's look at this outline a little more closely first. There are two elements in each of these disciple-making initiatives. So in baptizing and in teaching, there are both educational elements and engagement elements. Some of us are ready, fire, aim, people. right we just like to do things so we just get on it so we just get ready we fire and then we aim after and sometimes we go oops i should have aimed before a little bit of education would have helped me some of us on the other hand though were ready aim ready aim people and we never pull the trigger So we need some education so that we're pointing in the right direction, and then we need some action in order to be good disciples of Jesus. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport, and it doesn't matter how much you know. So making disciples means baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. Now, obviously, we can't go around pushing people into pools or rivers And count that as disciple-making. We won't have a lot of followers. We'll probably have a lot of lawsuits. So let's not do that, okay? And we can't go around baptizing people posthumously, like after they're dead, and don't laugh. There are religions that practice this. Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians. No, baptism is a public identification with Jesus as a follower of Jesus. It is an outward expression of an inward Reality: The person being baptized chooses baptism in obedience to Jesus' command to be baptized after they repent. The person hears the gospel, education, believes the gospel, engagement, learns of Jesus' command to be baptized and why, education, and then enters the waters of baptism, engagement. So there's education and engagement in this first initiative of baptism. And making disciples means teaching people about the things that Jesus taught, Right? Teaching people about theology, teaching people about the first century Jewish and Roman cultural and socioeconomic context, right? Come on, work with me, yeah? And teaching people about the ancient Near Eastern Suzerain Vassal Treaties. No, those are good things, but look at the text. Look at verse 20. We often see teaching, and that jumps out right away. And then we think we're making disciples because we run classes about these things. And you know what? That's good. I'm an information junkie. I love it. And when we fill in the picture, we get a, a more clear picture of the God that we serve, the God who loves us and has sent his son to pay for our sin and redeem us and bring us to him again. This is, these are good things. Education is good. It's critical to proper engagement. But look at the whole phrase in verse 20, teaching... Look at it there in the text. Some of you are still looking at me. Teaching to observe all that I commanded you. Making disciples means teaching to, not just teaching. Teaching to, observing all that Jesus taught is about engagement. It's about obedience. It's about doing. It's about doing what He said. In Luke 6, while Jesus is speaking to his disciples and a great multitude on a mountainside, he underscores this point as he asks the people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And then he said that those people are like those who build their houses on sand. The rains come, and those, and those rains would be understood by the Jewish audience who are steeped in Torah, the Old Testament. Those rains would be understood as the waters of judgment. And that house that's built on the sand falls flat, but those who hear Jesus' words and do them, Jesus says, are like those whose houses stand firm during the rains because they're built on rock. So there's an education and engagement in both the baptism part of discipleship, which covers making converts, and the observation or obedience part of discipleship, which grows converts to maturity and likeness What's the outcome? What are we trying to make when we make disciples? What is maturity in Christ? It's being conformed to Christ's image, according to Paul in Romans 8. Conformed to Christ's image. Thinking like Him, speaking like Him, acting like Him. Amazing. And we're called into this. Where the fruit of the Spirit in the inner person is observable more and more. So this is where our pathway comes from. We've been revamping the God's Big Story pathway. We're going to rename it. We've been refining it, expanding certain areas uh, to fill out engagement, enhancing other areas so that we have tracks to run on to help us focus on the education and the engagement that makes us more and more like Jesus in every, every area of life. Amen? You know the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule? 20% of people do 80% of the work Then you apply that to government and then it's, never mind, I won't even go there. It's a lot more skewed, or seems to be. So, we often focus on the 20%. They're the high achievers. I've always been fascinated with the 80%. Why are the 80% the 80%? I think a lot of times, they just don't know what to do next. A lot of really well-meaning people just, I'm just not sure. I just got to kind of find my own way here. And so, our discipleship pathway, we want to put it into a pathway so that so that we can take the guesswork out and we can help people with the next steps. So we're going to look at this right now. So our discipleship pathway actually falls into two different pieces, okay? We're trying to do two different things here. So there's integration and there's discipleship. I apologize for the fuzziness of the slides. Didn't look that way before. So we got two two different pieces. Integration, which is actually people becoming part of us, as we walk with Jesus, and then discipleship, which is helping people become like Jesus. Okay? And so, when we look at integration, can I just get the next slide there? When we look at integration, I'm just going to, all right. So we look at integration as a couple of, th- couple of, there's a few key things that we want to see um, and we want to enhance and help people to be able to work through. Um, so you can see over there, it's about coming to walk with us as we go to follow Jesus, okay? We want, we want people to come to Christ and we want people to be saved and then we want to walk with them and have them walk with us, okay? And so, so the first thing there is some sort of discovery, uh, discovery uh, program where we can actually um, invite people in and we can share the gospel with them. And then, and then a way for us to reach out and to follow up with those people. The second thing there you see is discipleship essentials. This is basically an introduction to, 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 to our church family, an introduction to temple. This is, this is our culture. This is our expectations. Um, this, is, this, is, this is what we are about. This is our DNA. And it's just an introduction. And then, and then if people want to explore membership based on what they've seen, we, we have a, um, a membership process. Um, and then some of our expectations. One of those is just attending weekly services and prayer encounters we got to gotta be together. Uh, a Christian outside of the context of the church is doesn't exist in Scripture, <laughs> okay. okay? So we want to we we be together. And what we're doing here on Sunday mornings is gathering together um, to, to celebrate what God has done in our lives and what God is doing around the world. Uh, to worship his name, to praise him. That's, this, Sunday morning is a celebration. Guess what? Sunday morning shouldn't be the main teaching time. It is a main teaching time, but it's not the main te- teaching time. Here, this is a party. God is in our midst, and we are before him. Right now, do you understand that we are before the very throne room of the creator of everything? This is not a flu shot. And he is not a trifle. And he invites us to come. It is incredible. One of the other things that we want to do is join a small group so that we've got a, a closer-knit, intimate community to walk with and then serve a need. Okay, so integration involves all of these things, and this is this part of the pathway. Uh, when it comes to discipleship, there are, there are uh, a number of things that we need to Uh, to look, look at as we follow Jesus in thought, word, and deed, in order to become like Jesus in thought, word, and deed. The first thing there, again, I apologize for the blurriness, is repentance and conversion. People need to hear the gospel. And then people need to repent and be converted, be given a new heart, regenerated from the inside out. And then Jesus says, Repent and be baptized. And so, baptism is the next thing in, in, this, in, in this sort of step. And then we need to learn some things about Jesus. And so, those are, those are our core doctrines. And then we need to learn to follow Jesus with core disciplines. And we'll look at those in a second. We need to learn to imitate Jesus, these core demonstrations of what it is to follow him and be remade by him. And then we learn to share Jesus, evangelism in, in the home. Evangelism in the marketplace, evangelism in different places, evangelism to our own hearts, and then learning to multiply followers of Jesus. So this is more leadership-type training, whether it's ministry leadership or other types of leadership. And so then it, as we move on here, there's a, this kind of comes together into the title. So we've got discipleship, which is your walk with Jesus. We're all disciples and we'll all be disciples. We don't graduate until glory. Either Jesus comes to get us and then when we see him, we're made to be like him in the twinkling of an eye. Or we pass through this life and death is the doorway into eternity and we're made to be like him in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, so discipleship is your walk with Jesus, my walk with Jesus. Then integration is someone's walk with Jesus' church. We've got to get integrated into the local community. And so together... Your walk with Jesus, my walk with Jesus, their walk with Jesus becomes our walk with Jesus, and that'll be the name of the pathway, our walk with Jesus, very simple, our walk with Jesus, and so this is kind of how it breaks down in a little bit of a graphic. Um, the graphic is dynamic, don't get caught up in the graphic, um, it's, in a, it's in a professionalized design stage right now, um, but, but you'll notice that this kind of, this kind of resembles third of the three circles uh, evangelism. Uh, tool that we've used in the past. So, we've got, we've got one globe over there, and there are cracks in that one that you can't really see, but that's okay. And then, and then there's this movement over to this other globe that is renewed, and you can see this sort of an infinity sign there. That's because these last two phases actually go together, okay? So, sort of this first stage is just beginning with Jesus, Beginning with Jesus, hearing the gospel for the first time, committing to him, connecting with God through him, and then committing to a local assembly and connecting with that local assembly. That's that first step or that first stage, okay? And then we move to becoming like Jesus, and this is where we, where we know about him and we grow in him. Putting off the old person, putting on Christ. And then there's this, and then there's this third phase, which is on mission with Jesus. That's where we go to the nations and show Christ to the nations. And here's how here's how this this kind of breaks down a little bit more. And you're not going to be able to read this. I do apologize. Um, so what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do actually? Can we just jump to the next slide? since it's kind of just up there for posterity. So in beginning with Jesus, we receive Christ as Savior and King, are baptized, the commit and connect. That's where some of those expectations fall out. So participate in weekly celebration and prayer encounter, attend TBC Essentials, explore membership, join a small group, and serve a need. Okay, That's kind of that integration pathway. Um, And then becoming like Jesus, knowing and growing, knowing about him, growing, or knowing him and growing uh, in him. So we learn learn more about Jesus. That's those core doctrines. So God, man, fall, salvation, sanctification, church. There's some other ones. We need to know these things because it gives us a fuller picture of what we are, what we're doing, and who the God is that we serve. Learning to follow Jesus, these core disciplines, word, prayer. Fellowship, praise. There are some other ones as well, but these are things that these are things we need to press into. Some rhetorical questions: How's your time in God's Word? Is this the only time you eat? God forbid. How's your prayer life? you talk to God? Do you know what prayer is? How about fellowship? Fellowship with others. We tend to cool off when we don't have that. How about praise? Are you cultivating a heart of praise? Jesus deserves our praise. And then learning to imitate Jesus, these core demonstrations. So working out the one another's of Scripture, love one another, honor one another, all those things we just went through in that uh, sermon series. What about spiritual gifts? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know how to use them? And then serving inside the church and outside the church. Serving is not just a Sunday morning thing. We are servants. Why? Because the one in whose image we are being remade is a servant. He's the king, but he serves. And then being on mission with Jesus, going and showing, learning how to share Jesus. So evangelism and outreach in the home and marketplace, apologetics, understanding missions more, learning to multiply followers of Jesus. So we talked about that a little bit. Leadership training, small group leader training, ministry uh, leadership training, being able to teach classes. The church is not just the staff. Some of you are better preachers and teachers and pastors than me. It's just true. Are you growing in those things and developing those things and using those things. Okay. And um, so just just really quick, right now, um, this is not the pathway rolled out. This is the heads up the pathway is coming. Watch in the coming weeks as the design gets finalized, as the delivery methods get finalized. Just jump to the next one here. Actually, jump to the next one. There, the last one. You know what that is? Sorry, back up. There we go. You know what that is? It's a drill. Right now, we're drilling down into what (laughs) we're kind of calling the HW squared, which is the how, the when, and the who. Okay, so how this is all going to be rolled out, when everything's going to happen, and who's actually doing all of these things. So watch in the coming weeks um, as we professionalize and finalize and get this all rolled out. This should be very exciting it should be very exciting. I'm very excited about it. I know our staff is very excited about it because now we're putting together some some actual tracks to run on. So if you're just a little bit confused, I don't know what to I don't know what to do next. I don't even know where I'm at. This is just designed as a tool to help us with that. Okay? So this is where we're going, but I want to I want to just take a few minutes and jump back into the text we started with so that this whole conversation and this whole initiative can be framed within a broader context, which is absolutely critical for us. This discipleship thing, this this pathway can seem daunting to some. It can seem very exciting to others. For some, it represents a restrictive structure that reminds us of a legalism that we want to move away from. This is not that. For others, this represents a puzzle to solve or some sort of project to be achieved or conquered, a sort of checkboxes, legalism that we actually want to embrace because it allows the status oriented to excel and earn favor with God and man. This is not that, because this isn't about us at all. Look at verse 18 again. <clears throat> The commission is framed in two things. The first one is this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Then there's the commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he commands. We don't baptize in our name. Nobody's getting baptized in the name of Temple Baptist Church. We don't teach people to observe our commands. Authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. He's the one who made purification for sins, He's the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. It's all about Him. Amen? So, for those of us who may be tempted to use a pathway like this to pad our own ministry stats and drive people through the program, All authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus, not us. A mature disciple of Jesus Christ is one who has been conformed to Christ's image. A pathway is a tool to assist that. It is not the goal itself. And look at the end of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is here in our midst, the great and chief shepherd with both staff and rod in hand, to guide and chasten. And for those of us who may be tempted to shy away from disciple-making, for the fear of the difficulty of the task, the objection and rejection that we face, the uncertainty, just the messiness of the whole business, and it is messy. Look at verse 18 again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. Our king sits on the throne. He has been reigning since he ascended into heaven, and he's reigning today, February, whatever it is, 2000, whatever we are. He will have those who are his come to faith. Do not be afraid. Our failings will not keep a single one of God's kids away from the God who pursues them. Do not be afraid. And look again at the end of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is here in our midst, the great and chief shepherd with both rod and staff in his hand to both shape and protect. Do not be afraid. Jesus is awesome. He is God of very God and he is to be worshiped. Amen? In every place at all times by everything he is to be worshipped. And there are places in our world right now where Jesus is not worshipped. There are places in our city right now where Jesus is not worshipped. There are places in our friend circles, our work circles, in our family circles where Jesus is not worshipped. There are places in our own hearts and lives right now where Jesus is not worshipped worshiped, and this should not be. This is a rescue mission. It is God rescuing us and then inviting us into that amazing work to rescue others. The reason we make disciples, the reason for a tool like this pathway to help us be and make disciples of Jesus is that Jesus Christ would be magnified on the earth. That Christ would be worshiped, that all things would be made new to the praise and glory of the Master, the Teacher, the Savior, the King. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we worship you. And we recognize that we don't worship you yet as we deserve, or as you deserve. We don't love you yet as you deserve. And so we cry out with the demoniacs Father, we believe, help our unbelief. Holy Spirit, we would see Jesus that we would be discipled by him as we disciple one another and disciple others. Like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, Lord, we would would see you seated on the throne, high and lifted up. The train of your robe filling the throne room We would hear your voice thundering. We would hear your voice, the still, small voice. Help us to be obedient. Help us to receive what you have to say. Lord, we would be transformed by what we see and hear. And we know that it is only your power that makes this happen. You are the one Lord Jesus, that holds the keys to death and Hades. You are the one that gives life. You are the one that animates dead bones. And you have animated us and we, we worship you and we praise you for that. And God, we ask that, that you would animate us more. That we would represent Jesus well. That people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, that, we, that people would be attracted not to our building, Not to how good we do things, but they would be attracted to the very spirit and power of God coursing through us as we humbly bow at your throne. We are your possession and you are our inheritance. With this, Lord, let us be content. Would you do something here in our midst, Lord, something unprecedented, something that something we have never seen before, Lord, something that would astound and amaze us and cause us to just break out and worship God. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our discipleship, bless our pursuit of you, Lord. I just pray these things in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory.